one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Today we've got a great revenge story that happened back in 1988. We'll get into that in a bit, but first, that wasn't necessary. At Walmart the other day, as I approached the checkout register, I heard a Karen at the next register going on and on about her list of complaints to some high school kid who worked there. It was something about a cart they should be putting away, she couldn't buy the items she wanted because they left a cart out, then how she hadn't been there in years because it was so terrible there, and a lot more meaningless complaints to an employee that had nothing to do with any of them. So as I finished with my few items, I walked directly between the two of them and loud enough to interrupt her, I said, Hey man, you're doing a great job. The employee looked a little surprised and Karen said, Well that was rude. I replied, I think you're being pretty rude. None of this is his fault or has anything to do with him. And I just kept walking. I got to the door and realized I'd left my receipt and the doorman wanted to see it, so back I went for round two. By this time, the kid had gone from surprise to smiling and gave me a fist bump and a head nod to say thanks as I passed by again. Karen said, hey, that wasn't necessary. I didn't break stride, I just said over my shoulder, I don't think what you're doing is necessary. As I got in my truck, I saw her finally coming out the front door and I really wish I'd thought to have drived by her on my way out, then honk, smile, and wave as I passed by. Oh well, I'll save that for the next Karen, I suppose. Not gonna lie, if I were in that kid's position, I probably would have gone home in such a sour mood, feeling exhausted from my poor Walmart job where I have to deal with people like this, if it weren't for OP coming along and honestly putting a smile on my face and kinda saving the day. Kind of reaffirming, don't put too much stock into what these Karens say. Also hi, I'm Steven, and if you guys enjoy awesome stories of revenge, why not hit those like and subscribe buttons down below? That said, our next story is Frat Jerk would play his drums till 5am every morning. This jerk lived right next to me and every night would bang his drums so loud. I asked him if he wouldn't mind keeping it down that late and he pretty much told me to freak off. I was in an opposing frat. I had enough one day and decided I was ready to get some revenge. I decided to eat a crap load of nasty food from the cafeteria, waited for digestion and crap it all into a gallon Ziploc baggie, flattened it and threw it in the freezer, waited for him to come back from the beach one day. I saw him wasted coming back with some other buddies. He left his windows cracked cause of course he had those stupid butt weather protectors. I grabbed what I called the poop disc and slid that turd onto his driver's seat. It was a hot summer in Florida, and I'm sure it didn't take long to get ripe as heck. I grabbed some beers and watched out the window for him to see it, and freak me, it was the funniest crap I've ever seen. Some people call the cops. Some people call the RA or the landlord. Some people take a dump in a Ziploc bag, freeze it, and put it on the person's driver's seat. We are not all equal. Our next story is, you send me some of your literature, I'll send you some of mine. Not trying to start a religious debate here, though it is part of the story. I doubt there are a lot of overtly religious people on petty revenge anyway. 
Many years ago, my grandfather passed away, and he was the first person I was truly close to that I lost. I hurt for months and months afterwards. I idolized him and still do and miss both he and my grandmother terribly to this day. My immediate family went through some ugly stuff when I was a teenager, and they helped me feel safe and secure. A short time after he passed away, I took a part-time job selling electronics in a large chain store where I met Customer X. Customer X wanted a boombox that would auto-reverse cassettes endlessly so it would play all night. I pointed one out and said, this one has good sound quality, and he said, the sound quality is not important. It's to play Bible stories for my daughter overnight. What is important is the auto-reverse feature so it plays all night and a low price. I was still in a deep depression from losing my grandfather and not as observant as I usually am. Otherwise, I would have picked up on the fact that playing something over and over as someone sleeps is a form of brainwashing. We kept talking as we were shopping and even through the gloom of my depression, I could see this person had some religious mania and over the course of our conversations, I mentioned my grandfather had recently died and it was hard. He was there for over an hour as I helped him find what he wanted and I went out of my way to get him a great deal on the boombox, which was important because he was pretty broke. As I walked to check out, he asked me, are you a Christian? To which I replied, yes, a Catholic Christian. He replied, we have Bible study every Wednesday, you should come sometime, and then reached into his pocket. He had several chick tracts in there, the little comics that show someone not accepting Jesus and going to heck at the end, and flipped through them. He deliberately selected two from his small collection and gave them to me. I accepted out of politeness and put them in my pocket. Appropriately enough, when I was on the can an hour later, I saw them sticking out of my pocket. I pulled them out and the first one was pretty typical. Guy does not accept Jesus, has a heart attack, and is sent to heck. The second one, placed beneath so I didn't see it when he handed it to me, told the story of a Catholic man getting hit by a car and being judged, then sent to heck because Catholic beliefs and practices are incorrect. The church is the Tramp of Babylon, which is wrong to venerate Mary and the saints, etc. I'm not that religious, and I'm more of a cultural Catholic than anything else. My family's Italian, and that's kind of how we roll. I believe in God, but not in any particular denomination or religion. Customer X has the right to proselytize if he wants, though not at the store I was working, which is private property, but he did it anyway. What ticked me off the most is what he did was an underhanded, cowardly and jerk way of saying that your grandfather was in the wrong religion is now in heck and you will join him unless you change and think like me. I was angry and ticked beyond belief and realized what a crappy move it was to do to someone who was in mourning. It was tremendously offensive to realize what he did to me, but especially to insult my grandfather and I was not going to let it stand unanswered. I went to the cashier and told her I needed a copy of the receipt for Customer X for a sales spiff. She made me a copy which had his address and phone number in it. I put the receipt in my dresser drawer and waited long enough that he would not connect the dots on who did what I was about to do. About a year and a half later, I went into my dresser and pulled out the receipt. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. 
real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Storytime is sponsored by BetterHelp. Nearly everyone at some point in their life will struggle with their mental health, whether that's something stressful at work, in a personal relationship, or something else. I know that I really struggled with anxiety in my early 20s, and therapy was a massive help for me. That's why I'm a massive fan of therapy, and today's sponsor, BetterHelp. If there is anything in your life, big or small, that is negatively affecting you, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. It's an online therapy service that, after finishing a small questionnaire, will match you with a licensed therapist, where you can book appointments that match up with your schedule at any place or any time. And if you feel like you're not bonding with your therapist, you can switch at any point for free. Also, therapy isn't just if you're struggling with mental health. If you're looking for guidance or ways to improve your social skills, life, or relationships, it's a great judgment-free way of doing that. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com StorytimePod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash StorytimePod. I verified he was still at the address and got to work. I set up a burner email address, then went online and signed him up for about 50 Catholic mailing lists, including some very extreme ones. He started getting the EWTN programming guide, St. Anthony's Messenger, Catholic Missions, Salesian's Newsletter, you name it. One of them said his name was now inscribed into a book sitting on an altar before a statue of the Blessed Mother somewhere in Ohio along with his promise to say all 15 decades of rosary every single day for the rest of his life. And he was mailed a certificate saying that his name was in the book and proclaiming his promise. I was especially proud at the last one, which was sure to make an anti-Catholic see red. His mailbox must have been overflowing for a while and it would have taken a long time and a lot of effort to unwind it all. You give me some of your literature, I'm going to give you some of mine. So my question is, do you think this guy believes so strongly in their religion and in their beliefs that not only would this upset them greatly, but shouldn't it in theory maybe almost scare them because of this expressed devotion of their name in something that goes directly against their whole religion? This religion that has such a judgmental God that there's no forgiveness if you never welcome them from the beginning, you're going straight down. Our next story is, get your own laundry powder. This happened about 20 years ago in Sydney, Australia. I was living in a shared house with a bunch of English backpackers and one Canadian, basically people on a long holiday working menial jobs. We were all broke. I mean, we had money for booze and packets of noodles, but not much else. There was one housemate called Lindsay. She had a super easy and well-paying job. She was a secret shopper for the ferries, basically reading her book whilst going around the harbors and bays of Sydney. It also paid twice as much as I was earning. She would steal food, etc., but particularly my laundry powder. 
She actually used to do it in front of me, and when I pulled her up on it, she would tell me that it was no big deal. So I warned her not to do it again, or there would be repercussions. She just laughed and told me not to be so tight, in the way that confirmed she cared not one bit about anyone else. While I was working two jobs, call center by day and cleaner by night, there was powdered bleach in large quantities at the cleaning job, and I asked the boss if I could have some. I mixed the powdered bleach in with my laundry powder and waited. I didn't have to wait long. I came back from the call center job one day and Lindsay was in the backyard swearing loudly. All of her clothes were hanging on the line. Every last item of clothing that she brought from England with her. And they were covered in orange and white spots. So I said to her, you didn't use my laundry powder, did you? I mean, you wouldn't after I told you not to. Of course not, she replied, sounding indignant. Thank goodness for that because I dumped some powdered bleach into mine and anyone stealing my stuff would ruin their clothes. She was bright red with anger, but she couldn't do a thing about it. She left soon afterward and her spotty clad butt never talked to me again. All I'm saying is, is I don't blame OP. When you're struggling to get by anyways and you're working two jobs, you don't want somebody mooching off of you like that. And hey, it's not like they slipped it into any of their food items or something. She's just got to get used to polka dots. Or blotches. Our next story is, police officer tries to force a bribe out of my dad, but his bluff is called. So this story takes place in a developing country in Southeast Asia. A lot of countries around there have corruption in every industry, and police are no exception. Some policemen can essentially be gangsters with a badge and gun. They also make a crap salary, so that doesn't make things better. It's a common occurrence that corrupt traffic police will go fishing for people who commit the smallest of offenses and essentially force a bribe from them or make their lives heck as a consequence. This is actually more of the tame side of the corrupt police. God help you if you're a teenager with a car because then it'll feel more like a shakedown. And if you're a teenage girl without your parents present, then, well, the stories I've heard have just been awful. Yep. Exactly what you are thinking has happened to those poor girls and much worse. My father is an expat from the UK, and so is a foreigner. I'm of mixed race. This is important because one day he gets stopped by a traffic officer. He tells my dad that he broke a red light, false, and that he could have him sent to the station to be processed and sort out the fine, or, in his words, we can take care of the problem right here, right now. My dad has had enough of these shakedowns, and one day it just clicks that if he's a foreigner from the UK, then the police would have an absolute nightmare of paperwork to process them. Since they're crooked, lazy cops anyway, he figured that paperwork for an expat is the last thing they want to do. My dad looks at them and says, no, no, you're right and I was wrong, I'll pay the ticket and accept the repercussions. They look baffled and try to tell them that the process will be very long for him and a huge hassle. My dad stands his ground and says he has time and will happily go with them to the station. Eventually, they give up and tell him to just drive safe. Now, my dad uses that tactic every time he has to deal with a dirty cop. On a side note, if you're a foreign woman traveling in Southeast Asia, be sure to remember that the police in the wild are just as dangerous as anyone else. Don't trust them and just trust the people you travel with. I've heard similar situations and experiences from multiple places in the world, and I'm just sitting here thinking like, although this has seemed to work out pretty well for OP's dad so far, 
I feel like at some point they're going to come across a cop who is out for that money and doesn't really realize the seriousness of the situation, how much paperwork there's going to be. Maybe just downright spiteful for somebody not being just completely submissive and handing over bribes. I'm honestly surprised it's worked out so well so far. This next story is... Be a jerk about street parking? Ooh, what's that crunching sound when you pull out of the driveway? My neighbor thinks the curb in front of his house is his and none shall park there. Now, I sort of feel the same way and that it's a minor annoyance if someone's blocking the view out of my front window, but the key word is minor. It's a residential street. Sometimes people have friends over and unless the car's up on blocks, it's a safe bet that it will eventually leave. This guy though, he goes a little ballistic. If my driveway fills up and someone parks in front of his house, he's up at my doorbell in half a second, yelling at people to park somewhere else. Get off his curb, the usual. I've even cautioned friends to skip his stretch of street and park in front of other places. So there came a day when he had to park on the street because his driveway was being resurfaced. Naturally, he took that as an opportunity to park in front of my house, presumably to teach me a lesson. Me, I took that as an opportunity to give him a taste of his own medicine, playing a reverse uno card on his reverse uno card, so to speak. We have these little snails living on the rocks and seaweed by the ocean, periwinkles in case anyone's wondering. When they die, which seems to be their primary occupation, they leave behind these pretty multicolored shells between a nickel and quarter in size. At one point, I'd gathered a couple of buckets of the dead ones with the idea of using them in place of landscaping rocks. Turned out not to be the cool and quirky look I'd imagined, just so you know. Thankfully, I never fully committed, and so the brightly spiraled shells just sat in my backyard for a couple of years. Cue the revenge. In the dead of the night, I made little piles of snail shells on either side of each of his passenger side, the side right next to the curb, tires. And then I set my alarm so I could watch him leave for work the next morning. I was 50-50 on whether he'd see the snails, but I figured nothing ventured, nothing gained. And so it was with great satisfaction that I sat on my porch swing, sipping coffee and watching him pull forward, hearing the loud crunch of snail shells crushing, get out to look at the piles of fractured shells, and then look around in confusion. That's when he got to see me waving at him, The middle finger he gave me as he drove off was the icing on my morning's cake. I mean, I'm just trying to understand, like, what revenge was truly had here. Like, could those shells have been strong enough to, like, puncture a tire? Or was it just giving him a light spook because of this weird crunching sound? Like, does the idea of you putting little crunchable shells in front of his wheels serve as enough of a deterrent to teach them to never park there again? I don't really know. This next story is, you don't care about people, people won't care about you. I live in an apartment and have a very annoying neighbor. We don't get along as I find her very superficial. She hates people until she needs something from you and then she turns into the most caring and loving person in the world. For example, she will never say hi when passing by, leaves trash on the public path, is loud on the phone at night and screams at her daughter all the time. But if she needs toilet paper, she'll smile and compliment you to heaven. A few months ago, she was cleaning her home and left every trash on the public path. Things like trash bags, chairs, tables, and even a fridge. People couldn't get to their own homes as the path was blocked. So they had to walk around or even try to move through the trash and some fell and hurt themselves. 
This lasted for weeks and she ignored multiple warnings and confrontations from angry neighbors until I saw after work that she put trash that blocked me from entering my home. I made a WhatsApp group with the neighbors and we agreed to put all our trash in front of her door. We gathered everything we could find from chairs, unused printers, old furniture, speakers, and even an unused fridge which we filled with heavy trash bags and placed this all in front of her door. We then heard her cursing and screaming for almost an hour. She even called our landlord and made a huge complaint, but as she ignored multiple warnings from the landlord, the landlord ignored hers. She had to call her ex-boyfriend and some friends to get the stuff away. She sometimes still puts trash in the public path, but now always makes sure people can cross. So we leave her alone. I mean, when she ignores multiple complaints from the landlord, and I'm assuming everybody else is also complaining to the landlord, why has this lady been allowed to continue to live here? If you are the landlord, why would you not start the process of eviction now? Before she and her behavior serves as such a cancer that everybody in this apartment is going to try to get out of there. Our next story is Revenge of the Bag Lady. I went to a local seller of craft supplies, taking my teenage daughter for company. I needed embroidery wool for a large tapestry, some seven years in the making. I took the tapestry with me to match the wool as closely as possible. Since it was raining, in the UK so it's always raining, I'd wrapped the work neatly in a large white bin bag. After buying the yarn, we dropped into the dress shop next door. We were the only customers. After a short while browsing, enjoying discussing fashion with my girl, I became aware of a certain Freudier from the shop assistants. Lined up behind the counter, they were all wearing faces like a bulldog chewing on a wasp. One came out from her redoubt and, cutting into my personal space, she barged me out of her way. I asked my daughter if I had done anything wrong, and she pointed to the bag wrapped in embroidery. Ah, snobbery. Did I mention I'm an expert women's tailor, running my own label? I went down the racks with my co-revenger, loudly pointing out the cheap fabric and poor seam quality, where appropriate. I decided to cut as amateurish, childish, or ugly. While my daughter held up a price ticket, I happily obliged by estimating what the garment was worth as opposed to the absurdly greedy price. We left feeling cheerful. I doubt that they felt the same. I think it's sad when anybody tries to build a brand on this kind of behavior. You would think that this is the kind of thing you share around and it shames them and cuts off business, but kind of, I think that snobbish attitude is actually what they're looking for. They want to be known as like, this is the top tier stuff that you can only afford if you've got lots of money. Don't bring your own handcrafted label stuff around here. You know too much. We're looking to mark up prices on cheap stuff and sell it to people who don't know any better because we look impressive. Our next story is played the long game for petty revenge. My neighbors are not nice people. To give you an example, they had their leaf bag sitting on their curb, which resulted in other inconsiderate people in the neighborhood putting their bags of dog crap in their leaf bags. I get that it's super annoying, but the neighbor Jock didn't like it and just dumped the bags of crap onto the street. I didn't see it happen, another neighbor told me after the fact, but it was a windy day and the next day, there were about 50 bags of dog crap blowing on my lawn. My husband and I were annoyed and cleaned up the bags and put them in our own garbage. Jock emptied his leaf bags again when they filled up, so we tried to make a point and gathered all the bags of dog crap up and put them in his driveway. He promptly put them on the street, 
even though he knew we were, albeit passively aggressively, sending a message. We then finally went to his house to talk to him and his wife about it. He responded, it's not my crap, and shrugged. However, he stopped emptying the bags on the road. Fast forward to a year later and they get their own puppy. Instead of having the puppy pee on their own lawn, they head out their front door and walk onto my lawn. Not on the edge of my lawn, they have an extendable leash and the dog goes right up onto the middle of ours. They have a huge front lawn so it's not an issue of space, they just don't want the mess on their lawns. The whole family has obviously discussed the strategy because Jacques brings the dogs over, as does his benchy wife and their son does it too. After the dog has done its business, they walk back to their house and go inside. I've now caught them multiple times, so I finally put a please do not walk on grass sign on my lawn in an effort to politely say stop it. It is slowed down, but it doesn't stop. While these are some annoying examples, the one thing that's bugged me the most was what happened about 10 years ago. I received a huge bouquet of flowers on my birthday from a friend who lives out of town. I didn't get the flowers on my birthday. Instead, over a week later, the neighbor's cleaning lady came over and rang my bell holding a big bouquet. I could barely see her head through the flowers. At this point, they were all wilted and pretty much dead. I was so upset. The neighbors had been home that entire time and just let them sit there in their house until the cleaning lady came and brought them over. There was a card that clearly said my name. They were just being jerks. Anyways, the tables have now turned, laughing maniacally. It's taken over 10 years, but revenge shall be mine. Because about a week ago, a package came in the mail and was delivered to my house. It is for them, the neighbors. I was about to open it when I saw it wasn't for me, and now I'm sitting and looking at it, wondering when I give it back to them. What's inside? I don't know. I hope it's something they've been anxiously waiting for. This is petty level a thousand, and I can't tell you the high. This wasn't even like them willingly choosing to just wait around and not give it back. Very clearly, they kept the flowers for their own, and then once it was finally dead and trash, the cleaning lady probably went to toss it out because, you know, it's dead and wilted, and that's when she noticed the card. They weren't ignorant, they weren't doing any decisive, petty, aggressive action. I think they straight up just stole the bouquet. This next story is, steal my park, would you? This happened in 1988, so yes, I am old. My cousin and I were university students at the time, and cruising a very busy city car park in the middle of summer in Brisbane, Australia. After about 10 stifling minutes looking, we finally saw someone leaving their spot, so I reversed up ready to take the spot. But while the departing car was getting past us, preventing me from immediately reversing into the spot, some rando jerk who had only just arrived drove forward and stole the spot. He knew what he was doing. Worth noting here that the thief's car was roughly the same model as mine. There's not much that we can do, so we continued cruising and eventually found another spot. We were fuming though. My cousin, a quietly introverted but evil fellow, comes up with a nice revenge plan. We wrote this note and left it under the wipers. Hey jerk, you deliberately stole my park, so we just loosened every single nut on one wheel of your car. Do not rush off anywhere in a hurry, mate. You are welcome. Of course, we did no such thing. We're not completely irresponsible. Anyway, we only waited about 10 minutes when he returned with, presumably, his girlfriend. 
He stared at the note for a while, trying to absorb its full meaning before his girlfriend grabbed it from him, read it, and then started yelling at him before storming back into the shopping center. Perhaps she was in a hurry to get somewhere? Anyways, he gets his wheel brace from the boot, trunk, and systematically pulls off all his hubcaps and tightens all 20 wheel nuts on his car. By the way, Brisbane is a really hot place in summer. Think African Congo. So he was saturated by the time he was finished. This was a petty but delicious revenge, and I do not regret it. Honestly, this is a pretty darn good revenge. I'm just trying to think of like how I would feel if I were in the guy's situation. Would I believe it, or would I just take the chance that they didn't actually do that? I'd probably be freaking out, I'd be like calling some family for advice and help. Revenge definitely would have been wrought upon me. This next story is, rude to the security guards? Expect a comeuppance. I just finished working as security for a 9 day agricultural fair. It was a lot of long days and standing in the sun, but I don't mind the work. And most people coming to the fair are pretty friendly. Most. I've worked this fair on and off for the last 12 years and I tend to get compliments on how friendly, energetic and polite I am. This will be relevant later. The new guard I was paired with this year was also generally polite but definitely had some sass to her and I enjoyed working with her. Every year, the demolition derby nights are a pain in the butt. They keep registration open till like a half hour before the event starts and without fail, some late entries arrive and I'm told to let them through. We're given a QR code for the drivers to scan to let them fill out registration. Each car is allowed one driver and one mechanic. Everyone else must buy a general admission. Most cars showing up on the first day are registered. Again, most. A convoy of trucks come up a few minutes past the deadline. Three trucks carrying five cars for the demolition derby. My fellow guard gives them a QR code to scan to complete registration for all five cars, their drivers, and their mechanics. They snatch it from her and are giving us attitude about never having had to register before, which is completely untrue as I've seen them have this exact song and dance with me before. They also inform us that they will not be paying for their non-mechanic, non-driver passengers and pass on through. The night is hectic and full of good stories involving a drunk man trying to help us direct traffic and state troopers telling us good luck when we had a backup going onto the main road and into the main road, but late in the evening, the demolition derby teams are leaving. My fellow guard waves by and says, I hope you lost, to the ones that gave us a problem earlier. Their convoy of trucks stops. A woman who looks much older than she probably is with a voice that makes Nina Blackwood sound like she has a healthy pair of lungs gets out. Her skin is so leathery and rough and who is totally scrawny gets up and asks the fellow guard why she said we hoped they'd lost. We tell her to get back in the car and stop holding up traffic, which she eventually does, but not before leaving us with another backup to deal with. The night guard eventually comes and we get off post. The next day is the last day of the fair and the second day of demolition derby. Our hated team comes in early with four cars but they do not stop at the security checkpoint and lean in on the horn right at our post. Of course, you realize this means war. First, I follow the letter of the law and radio to the security base to report their tag numbers as gate crashers and a danger to public safety. My fellow guard and I had to move out of the way of a truck that did not slow down. So we are steamed. 
Only one team was in before them, but each and every other driver stops at the point to say hi. We tell each and every one what happened. We ask them to target those four cars that team brought in today, and everyone says yes. The one driver who was in earlier exits a half hour before start to grab some parts for his car. He's in shock when we tell him what happened and says he'll do something about it. The evening goes on and it gets to about 9 o'clock. The derby's over and the first drivers are leaving. First place stops to tell us he did what we asked and won it all and we cheer him on. We fist bump him, high fives and wave him off a hero. The second place car leaves, the same thing. He was our actual favorite because he was repping a local gas station slash fried chicken place. Fourth place, same thing. Third place, red bearded guy who said he would do something about it comes out. The front of his car is compressed something fierce. We got him good, boss. We're hooting and hollering and having a grand time. We cheered all the cars coming out to this point. Around 11 o'clock, the team we despise exits. They exit at speed and blast their horns at us again, but we can see the damage. They're leaving with only three cars, one of which is in two pieces. They got destroyed. There were eight entries that night and they had four of them and they all came in last. We gave them a condescending wave as they steamroll out to the main road for their long drive and failure back to Pennsylvania. I'm just thinking, if you're going to be a jerk, don't do it at a place where you're going to essentially get in a fight with multi-ton weaponized vehicles. I mean, how dumb is it to go to a place where you're competing in essentially combat with cars and put a huge target on your back for everybody else to aim for? Like, what do you expect? There's nothing more fun in a battle royale than everybody in the entire match having this one main target to focus. You know what that turns into? It turns into a secondary competition where it now kind of just becomes who's the first who can just completely disable this car. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now if you want to hear another awesome revenge story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories.